Welcome to the Behind the Bliss Podcast, where Mary Scott Mercer and Rachel Autry bring weekly conversations to encourage, inspire, storytell, and share. Each episode is designed for you to feel met in your mess and balanced in your bliss. Here's today's conversation. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Behind the Bliss. This week is a super special one for me because my mom is joining me on the show. My mom has been through a lot in life, a lot of different seasons. She's qualified as a mom in a lot of different ways. And in honor of Mother's Day, we wanted to have one week dedicated towards motherhood. For all you mamas out there or all you daughters that are celebrating motherhood in some way or another. Maybe it's through grieving your mom. Maybe it's through stepmotherhood. Maybe it's through adoption or foster mom. And there's just a lot of different ways that you can qualify as a mom or a daughter. So who else better than my mama to join the show to talk about a lot of these different cases? My mom has five kids, me being the oldest of them. The two youngest are adopted and stepchildren. One of my brothers has special needs. I'm married, of course, and my other brother has already moved out of the house. So if you want to talk about kids moving away, kids getting getting married, being a mom of special needs, becoming a stepmother, starting over with motherhood, cross-cultural motherhood, adoption and motherhood. I mean, y'all, she covers a lot of bases. We're sharing a lot of really funny stories, a lot of really intense moments. Yes, I cry. (laughs) But she also just speaks into motherhood, and I bet you she's going to meet you in whatever season you're in. I'm so proud to call this woman my mom, and I cannot wait for you to be introduced to her. So without further ado, here is Teresa. Hey, Mom. Hey, sweet girl. How are you? I'm good. This is so fun. You're laughing. Yeah, because you're on my podcast. That's so fun. I know. I feel like a star. You feel like a star? Yeah. Whatever. It's fine. Um, I am so glad to have you on because it's perfect timing with Mother's Day coming up and talking through mom-daughter relationships, and we've had quite one where it's been up and it's down it's been left and it's right and a lot of it had to do with just our season of life and where we were and what was going on so we've got a lot to share today yes um do you want to maybe tell people a little bit about where you are a short little snippet of what motherhood looks for like for you right now and then um we can kind of fill in the gaps as we go Okay, sounds good. Um, right now, I live in Irmo, South Carolina. I'm married to Todd, and together we have five children and a son-in-law. And um, we both were widowed young and brought our families together. And it's a very interesting family. Not only is it blended, but we have cross-cultural adoption in our family. And it's, yeah, it's just a wild and crazy ride. I call us colorful. (laughs) We are colorful. We have all kinds of colors. (laughs) We do. All the shades of the rainbow. We have all the colors. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty fun. You want Native American? We have a little bit of that. You want African American? We got a little bit of that. You want German? We got some of that. We just got it all. So, yeah, Scandinavian, all of it. My born to youngest is graduating from high school in less than a month. Woo! I know, right? Yeah. If you're listening, you might be confused, or maybe even if you follow me on Instagram, you've seen some of these people in my stories or on Instagram, but um, I grew up with 
two younger biological brothers. And um, Hamilton, he's three years younger than me. And then there's Landon, he's three years younger than Hamilton. And that's how I grew up. And then once I got married, my mom got remarried to Todd, who Todd and his wife, before she passed away, brought in two more boys. And they were adopted at birth. Don't know much different than the life that they live now. Right. Um, but they are not biologically brothers. They are they are completely from different families, from different mom and dads. And they came together to join ours as my adopted step brothers when y'all got married. <laughs> so it just gets rowdy. <laughs> and I'm the only girl to add it all up. I'm like, please. I know. It could have been and I miss time. girl power. It, this house is way too full of testosterone sometimes. Yeah, I know. You need some more estrogen. That's kind of the spark notes version of how all this happened. So my mom knows motherhood well. She knows like biological. She knows the teenage, the toddler, mm-hmm. the graduation, the one of your kids getting married. But she also knows the, you know, the adopted, the step, the mm-hmm. remarried, the everything else. You hit a, a lot of bases, mom. It I, Right. I was talking to my counselor. She said, wow, you do things really well. You do. You do. (laughs) We don't do it halfway, do we, sweetie? (laughs) No, we don't. We commit 100%. That's right. Jump in. Yeah. So I feel like a lot of our listeners are around a lot of different stories too. So some of our listeners might be moms that have adopted. Some of our moms might be foster moms. Some of our moms are in the toddler years, maybe the tween years, and maybe even teenager or empty nesters. We really have a lot of a lot of different types of moms. Um, and then we also have a lot of different types of daughters. Like maybe you are adopted. Maybe um, you have been through the foster care system. Maybe you don't know anything different than just biological motherhood or being a biological daughter. And that's cool too. So this conversation is just going to be one where we wrap up a lot of seasons. But... In the midst of all the seasons, I feel like there can be a running theme. Would you feel mm-hmm. like that, Mom? I do. And you know what? Actually, recently I was listening to a different podcast, and it was very encouraging because a lot of what I tell my younger friends that have younger children is remind them, and I think it was on a Focus on the Family type podcast, but that we're not raising great children. We're raising great adults. And that I really like my grown-up kids and we're friends, but it wasn't, they weren't always great kids. It was hard. So if you can have that shift in your mind of, I'm not raising a great kid. I don't need a perfect kid. I want a great adult. And sometimes that takes a messy childhood. Yeah. I had a messy childhood. I was rambunctious. <laughs> I'm so curious. Now that I'm an adult and I have friends with kids, I'm like, what kind of kid was I? I need to know. Sweetie, you were precocious and driven from day one. I mean, what kindergartner sets their own alarm, gets themselves up, gets stressed, and comes downstairs and says, Mom, at seven dot dot one two, I need your help getting breakfast. <laughs> Seven, right? Seven, dot, dot. I remember that. We were in Beefort, South Carolina. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Seven, dot, dot, one, two. It's true. I knew it. I'm, I'm like still an achiever, but I was back then too, which is funny. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe you'll see characteristics of your kid 
stick with them. <laughs> Hopefully it's the good ones. Um, yeah. yeah. What has been something you've learned throughout all the different types of motherhoods that you wish you would have known looking back? Um, gosh, I will tell you, being a mom in my 40s with these new younger ba- younger kids. Oh, yeah. We didn't even go over ages. So Caleb yeah. and Dane, who, well, first off, you were about to be empty nester because Landon, my youngest biological brother, was about to go off to college. And then now you're kind of starting over as like soccer mom packing lunches. Yes. Like yeah. I have a, an int- a football interest meeting tonight at 6.15. That's what so the what? What the what? <laughs> <laughs> and so, you, so now you're starting over with Caleb and Dane. And mm-hmm. Caleb is 11. Mm-hmm. He'll be 12 in July. 12 in July. And then Dan yeah. is 14. Right. So I didn't really start over with diapers, but I did start back over at one point in our marriage. We had every stage. We had one in elementary, one in middle, one in high, one in college, and one married. That was crazy. That was nuts. It was fun though. Yeah. What's something you look back and you're like, oh, I wish I would have known that. Um, honestly, uh, and you know, you a lot of parents feel this. Your first child, Rachel, you were such the guinea pig. And I, you know, yeah, there's all kinds of manuals and stuff out there, but there was no Rachel McAfee manual. And so I think more than anything is just enjoy it. Don't try to make a great kid. I wish I'd had that piece of advice earlier. Like I'm not raising a great kid. It's okay that she's throwing a temper tantrum. She's two. That's what two-year-olds do. We just have to teach her through it. It's age appropriate. It's okay. It's not her fault. She doesn't know how to do it any differently. And just recognize that, you know, at some of the times these kids do things because that's all they know. And they just need to be shown a different way. Let them run the course or whatever. Just reassure them. They just bottom line need to know they're loved and that you're not going anywhere. And if there's no threat of that, then I think parenting can be a lot more enjoyable. It's not quite, it's a job. Don't get me wrong, but you don't, it's not an obligation. It's a, it's a privilege. Yeah. Something that ties into that. I feel like I've heard time and time again is God loves your child more than you do. And so when there's those moments, you're like, oh, shoot, Mm -hmm. this is not going as I had planned. God's like, but it's Mm -hmm. how I planned. And that's great. Or if you see you're making decisions that you're like, even adult kids sometimes, and they're making choices and you're thinking, I know my mom looks at me and says, what the heck is she doing? But if you do, you rest in the fact that, you know, God loves them more than you do. And that, you know, the worst thing that could happen, he's got it. You're not in it alone. So, yeah, it's good. Yeah. You don't have the control, but that's Mm-mm. not always a bad thing. Right. Right. Which is right. so nice. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And to realize that it was so hard, especially as a young mom, and shame on the world because sometimes the world does this to us, to feel judged based on your kids and your kids' choices and your, and your children's decisions. That's not you. It's your child, and they are a different person than you are. So they're going to make different choices. They may not be what you make, but it can't. You can't take on the responsibility of that being a direct reflection of you. Mm-hmm. Like your kid isn't even your identity. No. We, we talked about this in a um, episode um, with our friend Sarah Parker, who spoke on singleness. But it mm-hmm. speaks in all seasons of like your kids or your marital status or your career or whatever is not your identity. So whatever is happening in career success wise does not mean that 
you know, you are in fact successful or just because your kids are disobedient does not mean that there's something that's reflecting on you and your identity. Your, your identity is of the Lord's and like, Mm -hmm. first and foremost, you're a daughter of his before you're a mom of anyone else. And, you know, holding that to be true. Um, that's so good. I want this to be a conversation too, where we cover not like all areas of motherhood, but like what you would, what you would speak to the mom who has a toddler, what you have, what you kind of just did, Mm -hmm. what you have to speak to the mom who is maybe, um, just adopted or to the stepmom or to whatever, like speak into all those different types of moms mm-hmm. since we have a huge variety of moms out there and you mm-hmm. represent a large variety of moms to you. Right. For sure. I would say, well, one of the um, mom figures that I've been is being a mom of a boy is different from being a mom of a girl. I don't care what anybody says. <laughs> it's just different. And Rachel, hold on. I'm being paged. One second. Hey, what's up? Okay, I'm on an interview with Rachel. Can can you wait? Yes. All right. Bye. Oh, bye. <laughs> Who's that, Landon? Oh my word! I'm in my bathroom trying to hide from everybody so I can do this, right? And so, what do they do? <laughs> I'm yelling, "Mom!" <laughs> it's timely. It's exactly what we're talking about. I know, mom, next time you go to the store, can you get some Slim Jims? I'm like, really? <laughs> In the middle of an interview. Oh, tell Rachel I said hi. Oh, mm. that landed. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Hey, landed. So, yeah, being the mom of boys and girls is completely different in lots of ways. Um, For that I being think, a perfect example. Yeah, just not having the situational awareness. I feel like boys sometimes just don't have that as much as my daughter did anyway. Um but also, I think as you got older, and you can reflect on this too, there were certain ages that it was just a lot harder, and we butted heads a lot more. Um, and then, of course, circumstances pl- played a huge role in that, but I think it just exacerbated what naturally would have happened anyway. I think as girls get older, there tends to be this pulling away, and in that pulling away and trying to find the independence as a young girl, as a young woman, you turn into this creature that um, I was like, moms are in moms in general. I, yes, let's get you to college. Let's get you settled. Go. How? Let me help you pack. Let's go. We need. And and I know that was the same with my mom. And I know I told you, and I know my mom told me has told me since that one of the best days of our relationship was the day I moved out. And. I think I remember telling you that, Rachel, the best day of our relationship is going to be when you finally get to move out, when you can be on your own. And not because I didn't love you, but because we loved each other so much and we were becoming autonomous that we needed our own space. Women are like that. We need our own space. And so as as our girls grow up and become women, they're trying, they're fighting for their space. It's like, who's going to be the alpha female here? And um it's important for moms to hold their ground, but it's at the same time, understand it's not personal. Mom hasn't done anything wrong. It's just a stay. It's a season, just like the two-year-old temper tantrums. Plus there's hormones. <laughs> right. And I understand that you're upset, but it's not okay to say these things to me. And I can't make you say the right things, but I can let you know that what you're doing isn't acceptable. I feel like I got disciplined so much differently than how 
you are disciplining the boys now, which is funny to come back home to watch. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, wow. Well, how life would have been so different. <laughs> I was much more emotional with you. Well, much was the more. first. You were just learning it all. I was. And it was very important to me that you turned out just right. And it was my job. It was a, it, you know, my, my sweetheart's sin is pride. And as a firstborn female, that that is typical. And so not only that, you and I are both firstborn females. So we both are very dominant personalities. And um, I was very passionate about making sure you got it all. I wanted you to get it all. And I felt like it was my job to make sure you'd got it. And it wasn't. <laughs> God had such a bigger plan. And that's what I mean by just sit back and enjoy it a little more. Enjoy the parenting mm-hmm. and be able to laugh when, when your kids do dumb and not be frustrated with them. Well, yeah, they did dumb. They're kids. That's what they're going to do. And just learn to laugh about it. Yeah, yeah get that's good. I remember, yeah. um, well, you and dad both did this, but I, as I grew up, started not getting spanked as often. I yeah. would have to do push-ups. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't make you do push-ups, though, because I felt like I couldn't do them. So there was no way I was going to ask you to do them. But your daddy <laughs> used to sit down and do them with you I know. at first. Yeah. Yeah, it was sweet. We would do, or I would do push-ups as like my consequence. And then mm-hmm. I remember like my, all my consequences were so, oh my gosh, so, I don't even know how to describe them. Like so practical. Like mm-hmm. I, I remember slamming my door mm-hmm. and five mm-hmm. minutes later, dad came up with a drill and was like, zzz, 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 and like took off my door. I was like, yeah. privacy is a privilege and walked away with my door. I was like, what? Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. But no, I felt like dad was more and this dynamic can be completely different in a lot of families, but mm-hmm. um, dad's discipline was so different than yours and, and yours being mm-hmm. more of like the follow up rather than mm-hmm. the initial. Mm-hmm. Um, do you feel like that's changed with all the other kids since now? Obviously, 180 a- degrees, 180. I know how your daddy felt now. And he would say things sometimes like, you make me out to be the bad guy. I'm like, no, I really don't. I support everything you do. I did, but I blamed a lot of stuff on him. I was like, well, your dad wants you to blah, blah, blah. And that's one thing I would tell younger moms too, is don't put dad on the spot. It's a we thing. Mm-hmm. It's not a bad thing. Because I'm sure you remember me saying, you better get this room clean before your daddy sees it. Mm-hmm. Well, no, don't make daddy the reason why you get the room clean. You need to get this room clean because it's a respect thing. And it's a discipline you have to learn. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, that was, that's, that's been an eye opener for me because Todd is a totally different parent. I mean, he's a totally different person than your daddy was. And, um, and it's good for this season of my life. He's a lot more laid back. I mean, he's just, he's got different goals and different dreams and they're not, he's not quite as, driven. And so, you know, I'm not 25. And so it's kind of nice to be able to sit back. But with that comes, I have definite ideas of how I want there to be order in the house. And you do there, you do have to communicate to get order. So it's true. That's what we're working through with the boys. But it's been fun. I mean, and and too, as a stepmom, this is Todd's first time going through tweens and teens, right? And this is my fourth time with his oldest, with Dane, going through teens and tweens. And I mean, even just little things like 
and not being honest all the time. And the first time I caught one of his boys in a line, he looked at me square on, just 100%, wasn't trying to be super dad. He just said, my boys don't lie. I looked at him like he was crazy. I said, that is a child's native tongue. He lies like a rug. Of course he lies. <laughs> he doesn't want to get in trouble. And it, I mean, it took a lot for Todd to understand, oh, my kids are fallible. They are going to mess up, you know? And so that's been, that's been a journey, but it's been fun. Um, you know, disciplining kids that don't, they didn't have the same foundation that you and your brothers had. So there is going to be a different discipline and learning how to monitor and adjust all that has been interesting. It's an ebb and flow. I feel like as soon as you fe- as soon as you feel like you've figured out motherhood, mm-hmm. you better like return back to the basics because there's probably mm-hmm. something that you've missed if you feel mm-hmm. like you've mastered it. Mm-hmm. And too, just because every day your kid is one one day older, has one new habit or one new interest. Right. And so it's like you have to almost be like a – you have to be flexible and adaptable rather than like, oh, I got this figured out. This is our routine. This is how it goes. Right. For the there's 18 no years, they're under your roof. Yeah. Mm-mm. There's no such I thing. I mean, there are non-negotiables that you have for all your kids. But the journey to which you get to those non-negotiables can look completely different, which also puts a whole nother – slant on things because then child number one sees child number two quote unquote getting away with something but they don't see the whole picture so then you you know it just all the dynamics come in of just you know if you've got one with uh, with a high need for justice well doggone it you you know you that's a that's just a character trait you're gonna have to help mold because it's hard (laughs) Right. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Crazy. And now being a mom, I guess speaking specifically to our relationship, now that uh-huh. I have moved out of the house and now uh-huh. that, you know, I'm a girl and I obviously did live in your house for a long time and then moved out and you helped me move out. And that was mm-hmm. probably the best day for our relationship because mm-hmm. I just had the freedom I needed and I could call the shots I wanted and I learned the lessons I had to learn. And um, I didn't have the couldn't. Yeah, and I couldn't blame it on anyone else except for myself. Right. Yes. And so I was able to say, okay, I learned that the hard way because I chose this. Not Mm -hmm. someone else chose this for me. Therefore, I'm going through what I'm going through. Right. And that was really good for me as an adult, as an individual, as a daughter, as a future wife. Like I just have, I've learned a lot of things. But um, now you'd say our relationship is good. Oh, yes. I... I, oh, I thank God so frequently. And I've shared this story with you. Actually, you know, it's the one that I actually wrote. And I remember being 17 and just at my wits end with my mother. It's the, It was that pulling away stage. It was my senior year of high school. I wanted to be out of the house. I felt like she was controlling me. I felt like we had a rough relationship. I didn't like what I looked like in the mirror. All the girl things. And so... I remember just crying out to the Lord and just saying, Oh God, please, if you give me a little girl, would you please give her self-confidence, a great body image and a wonderful relationship with me? And then I just forgot about it. Like that was a cry. I mean, that was a literal cry out for help from this sweet little 17 year old tart. And then I just cried myself to sleep and forgot about it. 
And then years and years and years later, I was probably, gosh, in my 30s, you were probably 10 or 12. And we were at a sweet spot in our relationship. I think it's when we were reading that book. Um, What's the name of that book, Rachel? Every Young Woman's Battle. Yes. Yes. That one. It was so weird. It was so funny. It was so weird, but it was, but it gave us a platform. Yeah. It wasn't the book that was weird. It was just conversations. If anyone's never heard of the book, it basically walks you through. Preparing your daughter for every woman's battle. That was the name of it. So it dealt with like sexuality, your body, adulthood, relationships, like all All of these things that are not dinner conversations. (laughs) You have to make separate moments for the so yes, and my mom was like, "Okay, we're gonna read this book," and I was like, "Oh God!" (laughs) (laughs) But it was in that moment, and I remember praying and just saying, "Lord, thank you." She does. She has a really good body image, and she's confident, and she's we have a good enough relationship that I can read this kind of book with her and she will actually participate. And, and it was really a sweet moment for me and my walk with the Lord of him saying, don't you remember what you asked for? I was like, what? And it, and I was drawn right back and your listeners that are in my age bracket will get this. I had the Garfield phone on my nightstand. I was sitting on my little area rug. I remember my pink comforter. I just remember the whole room and I remember that night and I remember thinking, oh, my goodness, Lord, how many prayers have I thrown up out of despair? And then I've never thought about again, which is probably good because I didn't undo the prayer, but with my words. And then right. it comes to fruition. And so that was just, oh, what a beautiful moment of motherhood for me. But it took, gosh, it took. I mean, I had you when I was 23 and you were probably 12. It took a lot of years. For that, for me to see that full circle, and I'm so grateful I got to see it because a lot of yeah. prayers we don't get to see the answers or we don't realize they are actually answered prayer. So I would say a lot of my wins have not been because of anything I've done, but it's totally been a leading of the of the Holy Spirit and just reassuring me and putting people in my life. And oh my gosh, when you were two and there was a lady in the church that you were. <laughs> You're so precocious. And you had good words by the time you were precocious. precocious. You had good words by the time you were 18 months and talking really well by two and sassy. Oh my gosh, your mouth was so sassy. And Kirsten, my best friend, would even say, How can you let her talk to you that way? And you were like three. I'm like, What do you mean, let her? Like, I can stop that? And um, one of my friends from church, you were like two and a half. She said, Teresa, you're going to have to spank her when she talks to you like that. I said, oh my gosh, I'll be spanking her all day, every day. She said, you will for about two two weeks and then she won't do it anymore. And that was during the time when we left the mall with you screaming. Do you remember that? <laughs> you did no. not want to, you wanted to go somewhere in the mall and I wouldn't take you. And you started bucking out of your stroller and screaming at me. And then we went out to the parking how old was I? This was when I was two and a like, half, three, and because it was before land, it was before Hamilton, so I was probably twenty five months pregnant, feeling like it, and because um, he was huge, and we get out to the parking garage, and this is in Greenville, South Carolina, and we get out to the parking garage, and everything echoes in there, and you start screaming at the top of your lungs, something like "Don't spank me with the spoon," and yelling it over and over again, and people are starting to stop and look at me. It's like oh. 
<laughs> cannot get you in this car seat fast enough and get out of this parking garage. But I wasn't, uh-huh. you know, you wanted something. And you, I said no when you pitched a fit. And so we had to leave. But, and that's part of motherhood too, is you, you just got to know when to call it quits and take your agenda off the table and just go home and just be done for the day and start the next day and be okay with that. Right. So, which really that. His mercies are new. Every I know. Morning. Right. And then with that, and then there's Hamilton and he was a pretty much an easy kid and until his senior year of high school. And then he was a real piece of work and now we're great. And, it's just, it's neat to watch God work in y'all's lives. And then, then here comes little Landon who is on the autism spectrum. And wow, I think that's when I learned to take the emotion out of it. I think that's when the shift started mm-hmm. happening of he doesn't, he didn't understand the emotion to begin with and it would just escalate him. So that's when we, that's when I learned to just be very black and white. Motherhood has been, it's been a wild ride and I still feel like I'm in the throes of it. And sometimes I feel like I'm way too old for this, but at the same time, it's going to make grandmotherhood so much sweeter. And I just, I'm watching and I can't wait to see how you become a mom and I'm not in a hurry. I want you to enjoy your couplehood. It's awesome. But I do look forward to the day when I can hold your babies and watch you be a mama. I think it's going to be beautiful. Learn how to do it all. Learn from the best. <laughs> I don't know. Remember that one time you said, I'm never going to be a mom like you. And I'm like, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a mom like my mom was, nor is she a mom like her mom was. We just keep getting better. So good. I don't I want you to be the same kind of mom. I had a journal. I like literally kept a journal and wrote <laughs> down things that just bugged me. And I was like, I'm never going to fill in the blank. And I was I'm sure some of them are good. Probably. It felt valid at the time. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm sure I, moms aren't perfect. I mean, we're forgiven also, and God, and God covers a multitude of our raw, our dumbness. Um, but it's not from an effort of not trying. And you know what? I do think changed some things. And I, you're, I think it was right after your, your daddy's accident that I read this book, and it did start. This is when I really started shifting. Was um, Parenting with Love and Logic, Parenting Your Teens with Love and Logic. It's a book, and I can't remember who wrote it. But um, it just it fed into, and your dad and I were doing a lot of things right, like taking your door off the hinges when you slammed it. And, um, you know, you when you did your own laundry, if you didn't have any clean clothes to wear, it was your own problem because you were the one that was supposed to be doing your laundry, and I wasn't going to nag you to do it. So, I mean, those were natural consequences. So that's what Love and Logic teaches is there's a lot of just natural consequences and you don't have to, you know, make a big deal about it. And for lack of a better term, rub rub your children's noses in it that they messed up. They know they messed up. They know the consequences and you just carry them through and love them through it. Mm-hmm. Don't, you know, don't be cold through the consequences. I I wanted y'all to learn that, you know, you can make whatever decision you want to make. I will always love you. I will always have your back. I will always walk with you through whatever mess I need to walk through you with, walk with you through, but I'm not going to save you from your poor choices. Right. I felt that too. It was almost like more of a security knowing that I had the freedom to mess up, but that someone was going to be there for me. 
than it was to be like, either don't mess up because then that was a lot of pressure or mm-hmm. the, if you mess up, you better figure it out. Cause then that's pressure too. Cause you're like, well, I know I'm going to mess up, but I don't want to have to mess up on my own, you know, and just having like the security of, okay, this is going to be fine. Like I'm going to learn a lot, but I'll have someone I can come home to, or I'll have, you know, someone to ask a question with or have conversation mm-hmm. about this with later. And, and it just, it was security. And I think that's, you said this earlier, but like motherhood and being a mom, it's just honestly creating a safe space for someone and letting them know that like, they're loved and they're never going to be alone. Mm-hmm. And, and that doesn't mean that you don't get angry and that there's not disappointment and, and that it's not okay to share those things. I mean, those are valid emotions, but they never trump love. Never. But I wish I hadn't gotten as upset about when I asked you to drink your milk and you would just look at me. Did I do that? Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh, Rachel. Yes, you've been Little Miss Independence since day one, and it has been fun to watch and fun to see it turn into this extremely successful, well-grounded, emotionally secure lady. But at the same time, it's, it was work. I mean, it was, it was work. It, it was work. And, and lots of times moms are tired, not from the physical work of being a mom, but the emotional work of keeping your stuff together in front of you. You never let them see you sweat. You just can't. They will eat you alive. You have to <laughs> maintain. Do not break in front of the children. So, and that's hard. It takes a lot of emotional fortitude where's that balance though of like if you're going through something really hard like showing your kid this is real life it's okay to be upset but then also keeping on the straight face of like I'm not playing games here well you learn your kids and you learn when your kids are manipulating you and trying to get to your emotions and when your kids are just oblivious that they're crushing your spirit and I think when my kids got to the point where they were oblivious that they were even hurting me. That's when it was, that's when it really hurt down deep. And I could, I would just say, you know, that was, and it didn't happen often. And it was usually when kids were older and you and I have a different junior, senior year relationship than I think a much different, I know we did than we would have if daddy's accident had never happened. I mean, there were stressors put on that relationship that, you know, we didn't sign up for. Um, right. Like our mother daughter experience has been way different than a lot of my friends yeah. because of just hurdles and speed bumps life is life has offered right. us. But we've I mean, overcome. But, you know, I think we got to, I think we got to friendship a lot faster because of those hurdles. Oh, yeah. Because I was like, oh, I can't get over this hurdle by myself. And you're like, well, I can't either. And it was nice to be able right. to see. And those were, that was a that's a good example of a moment when. Like I could see you really upset broken. or broken and I was able to be a friend before I reported as a daughter and be like, okay, my mom is really not okay right now or whatever. And like, I was able to either fill in the gaps with my brothers or come and like love you if you just needed another friend or sister that, you know, couldn't right. be as on call as your daughter was. And Right. 
And that was hard too to balance all that because we were we were what is it? One of our counselors said you're dealing with a very abnormal situation in a very normal way. Uh-huh. And that was when uh, when I got that, those words in my head, I was like, okay, then I'm okay. But I still, even though you and I, because we were the only two people that in in our world at that time that could understand some of what was going on. And so, and it was stuff that I didn't want to share with everybody, you know, stuff everybody, you know, everybody needed to know about. And so I think that um, finding the fine line between, but you still needed guidance and you still needed coaching on a mother level and being a friend. So I think that that helped us bridge that friend and coaching gap. And it really did kind of transition from parenting to coaching easier, I think. Totally. Yeah, I agree. For sure. And now we're friends. We are friends. And I love that. I told, I gave my, I got to speak at my women's conference a couple weekends ago. And I was like, you know, you and God have done a great job when you can look at your kids and really like them when they're adults. I mean, not just love them. Everybody loves their kids. But when you like them and you look forward to seeing them, that's a win. That's huge. Uh-huh. You just don't take that for granted. Right. It's super special. I'm great. Super special. Mm-hmm. What's your overall favorite part of motherhood? I, every stage has a different favorite part. My favorite part of babyhood was taking naps with you guys on my chest. That's sweet. Um, my favorite part of toddlerhood was just the awe that toddlers have. I mean, they're excited about everything. Everything is the coolest thing ever. And that was fun. Um, and then my favorite part about the elementary and middle school years is watching these cute little just fluffy, precious little babies turn into these awkward, ugly ducklings in middle school with long legs. So me. And teeth and big eyes and and hair that they don't know what to do with it. And then they turn into these beautiful people. I mean, not talking just about the girls. The boys do too. They go through a funky zit-filled stage. And um, just watching... Watching God fill the gaps where I know I didn't, I didn't measure up and just trusting that God's got them when I can't get them. That's the best part of it for me. I love it. And I think like too, the best part of um, mothering a kid with special needs is you remember certain milestones about them. Like for instance, Landon asked me the other day, mom, when was the first time you, I said, I love you to you. I said, Oh, you were six years old. We were standing in line to see Buzz Lightyear. I don't remember the first time you and Hamilton said, I love you. Cause you started saying it as soon as you could talk. Mm-hmm. It's just part of your vocabulary. He goes, what about the first time I kissed you? I gave you a kiss. I said, Oh, you were three. He goes, how do you know? What about Rachel? I was like, I don't know. Cause they started drooling all over me when they were nine months old. They, you know, that's just what babies do naturally. So when you have a child that has special needs, it, some of those the moments that you took for granted with the older kids become treasures in those children. It's right. really kind of cool. That's so sweet. 
Mm-hmm. I love it. I like what was your life. favorite part of my motherhood? What was your my, favorite story? My favorite part of your motherhood. Yeah, what's your favorite, favorite story? story of us? Hmm. I think my growing up as, I mean, one, the only daughter, but with our family in particular, we just had a really, or I had a really interesting life as a daughter because one, I was the oldest. So I would always be like the mom's assistant, whether Mm -hmm. I had promoted myself to that or you did (laughs) but um I because because there was Landon and his special needs and then there was Hamilton and he was going through you know tallerhood while I was growing up and not I I don't want you to hear that I felt like I was forgotten but I definitely had to have like really big accomplishments for them for there to be like okay this is Rachel's moment rather Mm. than like it being like an everyday, you know, like, wow, Rachel, that was really cool because there were so many things going on with Landon's therapy or mm-hmm. Hamilton's whatnots and my whatnots and all of it get, gets mixed together. But mm-hmm. I um, grew up, for people listening, I grew up with like a really interesting knee where I had a mm-hmm. lot of knee surgeries and mm-hmm. braces and MRIs and x-rays and all these things because my knee was just a project. But I remember coming home from my second knee surgery and we picked up my prescription at Publix and then we went home and of course I couldn't really take a shower because I had my bandages and so I remember you taking me to the salon and and I got my hair um, shampooed and and a blowout and I just felt like so pampered and I felt so feminine and I just felt like such a daughter that there was so much interest being taken a part of me that that's when I really feel like I saw you and dad shine as parents was balancing all of it. Um, because I mean, shortly before that was dad's transplant and our accident and Landon's therapy. And so there wasn't not because don't feel like y'all didn't choose me. I definitely felt chosen, but there were really small moments of like, Oh, Rachel, this is your moment, you know? And, but I'm so grateful because I've learned that it's not really what I accomplish. It's just who I am, mm-hmm. which has made me so strong and resilient. And I love that, the the way that y'all raised me that way. Oh, you're beautiful. I love you. <laughs> I love you too. You know, you just listed off like a laundry list of things like it was no big deal. And your listeners are probably having a conniption thinking, that, what? A, a transplant? A car accident? A what? Yeah. Oh, we went through a lot of things. Like I remember going to school and even, I mean, we went into therapy just because of, you know, that laundry list I just read out. And my therapist, I remember Miss Barbian being like, Mm -hmm. you know, this isn't normal. And I'm like, what? Like, yes, it is. What are you talking about? Or like, I remember asking my friend Megan, like, when is your dad having a transplant? She's like, excuse right. me? Like, I just thought everyone's dad had a transplant. Everyone has gotten in a car accident. And, like, you know, everyone has a wonky knee. Like, you just assume that it's the way it's supposed to be. And it's so not. And so, but mm-hmm. having a mom that kind of loves you enough and, like, treats your life as as just the life you have and doesn't complain about it. I mean, yeah. me thinking that all this is normal, I think, shows so much about who you and dad were. 
rather than complaining and me thinking like, oh, we are so messed up. This is so much going yeah. on. I just knew that I just took it as what it was because you guys just went with the flow and we just did it. I didn't know any different because it, it never right. was told to me it should be different. Because what are you going to do if you complain about it? That's not going to help anything. You know what my favorite part of our family as it looks now, our family picture now, one of my favorite times was when we took all y'all to Disney that first Christmas. Because you and I, your listeners don't know, you and I only got, we got married just six weeks apart, which that's a whole nother crazy thing. Right. So we've yeah. been newlyweds together. It's just been weird. But um, when we all went to Disney, I honestly thought that you and Thomas and the boys, Hamilton and Landon, would go off and do your thing. And that Todd and I and his boys would go off and do another thing because it was such a big group. I was so blessed that we all stayed together every day. And we made such great memories and just playing heads up in the lines and just picking on each other and throwing Caleb around in the air because he's all of 60 pounds on a good day. I mean, <laughs> you know, we just really, we made some good family memories. And I think that I would encourage the younger moms to do stuff, stuff that you do that you don't realize you're doing. You're making memories like our wacky water Wednesdays. Those are memories made out of necessity. It wasn't something that I planned and schemed for, you know, weeks and months. It just happened and it became a treasured memory. Right. That was fun. Dad was teaching classes Um, Mm -hmm. at a local university and my mom had just been in this car accident we keep referring to and so she was immobile and on a walker walker. you just had a rod put in your leg like this was an intense car accident no fender bender and um and but she had three kids and we all had to get bathed somehow so every Wednesday night we had this huge jacuzzi party in y'all's bathroom and in my mom's mind I'm thinking okay, how am I going to contain these three children, six and under, in one room? Because I'm on a walker. I sure as heck can't chase an 18-month-old, I mean, a two-year-old. I can't, you know, all this stuff and not get anxious about it, but just say, okay, I got to lock us in our bedroom. So what can we do? So we took baths, put pajamas on, watched movies until daddy got home, and then daddy put y'all to bed. Uh Which is what we had to do. But I'm glad that y'all thought it was fun. (laughs) (laughs) We did. We had a blast. Yeah, we have the pictures to prove it. So much fun. I'm glad you got to bring some some stories and laughter and tears to yes. our podcast. Thanks for being some of our biggest or one of our biggest fans. For sure. And to have you on is a treat for a lot of people, but me so specifically. Sweet. Well, you know what's really awesome is when I start talking about my daughter that has a podcast and everybody's like, Oh, what is it? They write down you know, they write down the name behind the bliss. And then I had this one woman in a Bible study I was in. She was like, wait, behind the bliss pocket. I listen to that. Huh. Which one's your daughter? I'm like, oh, <laughs> Rachel's my daughter. I think it's pretty cool. And I'm super, super proud of you, everything you've done. And especially this and that you just are authentic with the people and vulnerable when it's appropriate. And you're real. I mean, what these people get is the real Rachel. And I think that that's a beautiful thing. And I'm very humbled but proud that you're my girl. Oh, I love you. I'm proud to be your girl too. 
I told you I'd cry. <laughs> I almost lost my marbles like four different times, but we got through it. And I'm so grateful that she came on the show to share pieces and nuggets of what motherhood means to her, ways that she's seen to follow through with different situations and circumstances, and some funny stories along the way. If you wanted to go back to a certain place when we talked about maybe a resource, a book, a game, or something that we talked about on today's show, don't worry about it. We put it all in our show notes, and you can access those show notes if you just go online to BehindTheBlissPodcast.com. If you want to be sure not to miss an episode, make sure you've subscribed to the podcast. You can do that on Apple Podcasts. If today's episode spoke to you and you're loving the podcast in general, we would love if you head over to iTunes and left us a review. Reviews are so incredible and it's so important to us and our ministry here. One, it gives us an idea of what you're thinking about our show. Two, it rates us well with iTunes. But then three, it also shows other people who may be interested in our show for the first time. It gives us a little bit of credit. So maybe they're interested in push play. We are so grateful, especially celebrating you mamas out there. So enjoy your Mother's Day. Feel pampered, feel treasured, and feel loved. We'll see you next week.